1: Welcome in Bears fans to this episode of Bare Bones. My name is Mason West and I will be joined shortly by Kyrie Thompson. Uh, today we are previewing the Browns game, but first going to talk about what happens a little bit in that Lions game and where the Bears are at currently. The Bears got their first win following a bye since 2013, uh, beating the Lions who they lost to earlier this year in unfortunate fashion as they gave up 14 points in that previous encounter. But now Bears were able to hold on to that lead that they had and get a win, second division win of the year. And like I said, the first one following a bye since 2013, definitely one of the most frustrating things uh, in the previous eras was what would happen coming out of the bye. Matt Nagy always looks really rough. Uh, and So far, Flus has looked rough. But now we are able to actually get that win. Uh, And now I am joined by, of course, Kyrie Thompson. Kyrie, how you doing?
0: Land, but it's a little chilly out here in Boston.
1: Kind of hard to hear you right now.
0: That's because my microphone wasn't on. There we go. That, that'll, that'll do it. That, that'll that'll do it. It's because my microphone wasn't on, but I was saying I was a little chilly. Uh, cause I don't, I don't know, uh, if, if, uh, it's that cold out there in Chicago, it's a little chilly in Boston right now.
1: Uh, if you're up at 5 a.m. this morning, like me, it was chilly about 20 degrees, but it warmed up to like almost, I think it was the fifties, uh, when I left work earlier. There we go.
0: (sighs) Yeah. Go bears. Yay. Super bears. Super bowl.
1: I mean, look, look right there. Bears right in the, in the hunt as, as some would say, sitting at five and eight, Um, But they are, in fact, on the outside looking in, but they have a chance.
0: They do indeed. And I think that's a lot more than we could have said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, What a a difference two wins make. It would have been great if it were, you know, three wins in a row, as it should have been. And then we aren't having all these discussions about, well, you know, they're, they're in the hunt, but they're probably not making it. Because then at this point, you're probably thinking they're going to get to nine wins and they, they stand a good chance of getting in. Now they've got to win out and it's basically everybody's jobs on the line from, from here on out, I would say.
1: And I, I pulled up the uh, lovely right ESPN playoff machine as a lot of people like to play with. Um, I set it to win percentage because I just I'm not going to go through every iteration and try to figure out matchups. I don't have time for that. But as Kyrie alluded to, this week, if you boom, click, give the Bears a win against the Browns. If you make sure that they have a win against the Cardinals. If you go to a win against the Falcons, those those two are definitely on the easier side. And then finish up, if you can figure out a way to go to Lambo and beat the Packers, that ultimately that the Bears really can end up pulling that win off. Especially if Vikings end up losing, you know, th- uh, three out of their last four right now that they're chilling with, with uh, Nick Mullins as their starting quarterback. So if, you know, Green Bay maybe beats the Vikings. Uh, If the Buccaneers, Saints, and Falcons, if two out of three of them lose twice, which is entirely possible, right? We're talking about the Falcons losing to the Bears. Buccaneers are playing the Packers. Who really knows what's going to go on there? But um, if if the Packers can beat the Buccaneers, you might absolutely be looking at a Bears entry into the playoffs Once, as I keep messing around with this thing right here.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you basically have to win out because there's not a whole lot of favorable scenarios if you if you go eight and nine. There are too many teams that are going to be, uh, you know, in that same range. And I would have to imagine that if the Bears are going eight and nine, that means some, you know, two teams probably make it to nine and eight, um, or or there's like eight and nine teams that are going to have tiebreakers over you. So um, the mandate is pretty clear: win out. And fortunately for the Bears they have a schedule that is favorable to do so starting with a browns team that is like there's a different person on the injury report every single day it seems like um they're they are in trouble when it comes to injuries and they're going to be starting 38 year old joe flacco who just signed a one-year deal uh to you basically finish out the season as the starting quarterback i would think so good for them you know good for him i should say um so the chances there. Um, the way the defense is playing, I mean, it's unfortunate that you lost, you know, Yannick Ngakwe to the injury, uh, the broken ankle. Um, but the way that the defense has been playing, with you know, after especially since Montez Sweat has been here, I think I think this is gonna be possible for them to continue limiting opponents, and that goes all the way through the Packers. I think it's possible for them to limit the Packers to enough. It's really going to come down to uh, the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, uh, I think. It's, it's really going to be about him and his play. And, I mean, right now he's been, he's been playing better, at least more stable, if not spectacular. So this is, this is your chance to show what you can do in this situation.
1: And, and this is now going off topic of what I was going to talk about um, at this point. But you saying that, you know, everyone knows – or people think they should know at this point that I watch a lot of QB school whenever he dives into JTL Sullivan, dives into what Justin was able to do um, in that previous week. I know he likes to do it for a variety of reasons. One, for one, us Bears fans are ravenous for more Justin Fields breakdowns. But, you know, there's a lot you can take away from those. Um, there's definitely things Justin needs to do better. Uh, we can dive into that later. But what you just said really made me think too, like, it's so much of it like, well, yes, it's Justin has to end up being, you know, 4-0, look the part and, you know, be almost perfect during this time period. You know, it ends up becoming part of the question is, yeah, you know, well, is Luke Getzey, is this offense, all that stuff, is that going to allow him to do so? Um, when you look at some of the the options, the plays that were called last week, you know, there weren't a lot of options on some of those plays. So it's a lot of routes that just stopped it's a lot of routes that are designed where it's, well, there's one option. And if that option is not there, what's option two, what's option three, there's not really these layers um, to these plays at, at times. So you saw that in one in particular, I believe it was the third quarter when they were in the red zone. Um, and they got, they got all the way down there. And then all of a sudden play after play after play was just like, well, what's there's no way there's no one open that there's a blown assignment. Uh, Nate Davis had a bit of a rough game. Um, yes. he had Aiden Hutchinson rushing on him a couple times. Uh, and then there's a lot of those plays, like I said, where it's there's just one, two options. There's not even a hot route. It's very odd. And so the question, like I said, becomes, at least in my opinion, there we go. Finally, I got it to the Bears making the playoffs. That took forever. Um, what, what, what is op- Justin going to have the option, the chance to really show that he could be the dude?
0: Sorry, I, that uh, that kind of uh, got garbage. If you could repeat that
1: basically long story short is there going to ultimately be a chance you know with the offensive setup with the play calls um and the line that has been better for justin to be the dude if he can just do what he needs to do
0: i think that as opposed to the minnesota vikings game where i think it it felt like two guys that weren't working well together i think that It felt a little bit more just watching it on film, a little bit more trust, like trusting on especially on Justin Fields part, staying in there, trusting the protection. They called a lot more passes in the second half. I felt like it and really just gave him a lot of consecutive throws. And I think let him get into some kind of groove, because I think that whether or not he connected on the throws, because there were a couple of, of misfires that we all saw. I think the comfort with what he was seeing by and large was there i think he made good decisions with the football and obviously he made the big play uh on on the on the fourth and 13 getting the 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 jump right there on aiden hutchinson that's i mean that's a high level football play that um doesn't even necessarily have to do with your throws being made or reads being made or what have you it's just just a good football play um so I think that the, from what I saw, I think that Justin Fields is beginning to trust the offense a bit more and trust his offensive line. It's still a bit inconsistent. Obviously, we can all see that. But I think there there was also a bit of trust shown on Luke Getze's part. I think in the second half of that game, based on what he was seeing, I think to just keep calling passes and keep letting Fields sort through it. So I think, I mean, we might be disappointed this week with the Cleveland Browns game plan because they've got Miles Garrett on the other side of things and you don't want to give him opportunities to come after you. Uh, so I, I think we're going to maybe see a little bit more of that side-to-side game plan, make them run. That's how you, you know slow them down, right? Instead of dropping back and asking Braxton Jones or, or Darnell Wright to handle him. Uh, on their own even with chips or you know what have you that that's a tough task so it's probably not going to be the most exciting game plan but I think that if you trust your defense against Joe Flacco and maybe you trust some of the one-on-one outside matchups especially since it looks like we might not see Denzel Ward either you've got opportunities to make some plays even if it's not the most exciting downfield passing game that you could have and then i think against the cardinals you're going to have some chances to put up some big numbers but we'll get to that later
1: yeah the obviously the Lions' defense has been on the downtrend uh the last couple weeks not even just uh, starting with the various game but before that so you have to take this with a grain of salt but justin did well against the blitz which has been an issue for him previously according to pff he was six for 8 122 yards one touchdown no interceptions and a passer rating of 156.3 Um, and he's also ascending in other areas. If you look at uh, Justin Leisure had a a tweet where Cole Komet made a statement on that fourth and 13 play that uh, Kyrie was able to about where he was able to get the the jump off sides and then hit DJ more deep. Um, You know, fourth and 13, hell of a cadence. I thought no way in hell are they jumping. They jumped. I don't know how you can jump in that situation, but they did. It was a hell of a cadence, you know, and that is something that we really don't see often with Paris. Like, I don't know how many, I kind of one hands, how many times I've seen a free play that results in something positive. Normally it just ends up being like a, a, a bad play thrown out of bounds, something of that nature. So that's definitely a, a nice development to see all around. You also saw Darnell Wright Have a really good game. I mean, last week he had 40 pass block snaps. He only allowed one QB hit, zero sacks. And a lot of that was against in Hutchinson who did get one sack, but that was actually against Nate uh, Davis that, that, that occurred. So, you're, you're seeing the growth there. I am curious what they're going to do going forward because, you know, Justin had 58 rush yards, but 47 of that was in the first quarter. Obviously, that's a big part of his game. You know, the line's adjusted. Uh, Bears and Justin adjusted to an extent. Uh done as much as I would have liked.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to not run him as much. I think – I think when it comes to Justin Fields, because teams have generally they've adjusted to his designed carries, I think it's probably good not to give him that many designed carries unless you're talking about short yardage things like, you know, the, the brotherly shove or whatever you want to call it, tish push. Or just every now and again, like if you see something on on the read option where they're they're starting to fall asleep at the wheel, I don't need to see uh, too many pin and pulls or or like, you know, quarterback powers where he's running up the middle that has not been going well. He's been taking some hits. I think that he's most dangerous in scramble situations. So I I think you, you run him enough in terms of design carries to keep teams honest. And then you let him do what he does in terms of scrambling as long as he is escaping up through the pocket, not trying to escape out of the pocket unless somebody blows contain like on the touchdown run that he had where Aiden Hutchinson just totally screwed up and, and, you know, tried to go inside, uh, you know, beat Darnell right in there. And then he left nothing open on the outside. He was like, well, I might as well just go and take this myself. Um, So I'm, I think it's probably the right thing to do in terms of just keeping him healthy to not overrun him. I still think that you want to do it four to five times a game in terms of design carries and then whatever he does scrambling, we'll, we'll see from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that most of the the yards he's getting is from the scrambles, which you like and you don't like, obviously you like how dynamic that can be, but at the same time you'd rather, Hey, like, I like, I want you to push the ball downfield. Um, obviously as general Justin field supporters, the, the two of us want to see more evidence, more tape put out there saying, Hey, I'm developing as a passer because you have to do that to, to even have any chance to potentially be a Chicago bear moving forward. But, you know, at the same time, you know, that's a big part of his game. And like you said, the design ones are where it gets funky for me. Cause they're good-ish. I mean, some of them have been fine, you know. So I can't balk at it too much. But man, there is a couple that he just gets either, you know, he's destroyed on. There's a two yards. Is it, is it really worth it? You know, I was right, probably like six, seven a game. Um, so right, two not too far off of yours. Uh, we're moving on to our concussed corner. Just something that we did not like from last game. A decision so odd that the decision maker must be concussed. Uh, what do you got?
0: I really did not like. And, and this this is a play that that got talked about a lot the the Justin Fields scramble out of his own end zone and and it was it was great play all that stuff right, um but people are saying well why did Justin Fields drop back so deep into his own end zone what's going on here and. You know, making it out to be like, oh, it's Justin Fields' fault that that he did that because he dropped too deep. And and I I you know talked with some people about it that said, well, look at the way that you know the offensive linemen are setting. It's it's meant to be a short set, get the ball out of your hands. Well, I would direct you to the blitz beater that the Bears use against the Minnesota Vikings when they brought zero pressure and they got Cole Komet on that big fourth and ten that they converted. It's essentially the same play. Which means, if if that's true, which it more or less is, it's basically the same concept. You run a bunch of guys deep, and then Cole Komet chip releases and then gets out into the flat. The, the difference with this was that they didn't do a zero blitz, meaning Detroit. They, they It was more kind of straight-up man coverage. So that means that Cole Komet wasn't just straight-up uncovered. So... Justin Fields drops back the way that he did against Minnesota. And on a play like that, you're dropping back with the idea that, hey, I want to buy a little bit of time and, and get to, you know, the, the outlet and let him run with the ball. Problem is Cole Komet wasn't out into the route yet. Fields hits his back foot and he's like, Well, what do I do now? I think that that, that play very well could have and perhaps should have resulted in in a very negative play, maybe even a safety but Justin Fields bailed it out because he's Justin Fields and he can do that kind of thing. I think that that was an example of a play as well as the one with uh DJ Moore with the with the backfield pitch that Luke Getsey to his credit did say like that was a priest that that was like kind of an oh no that was not that wasn't the best idea. I think every once in a while Luke Getzey will be like, "Oh, this concept or like this thing worked before. Let me go ahead and try it again." And it's just not the right situation for it. Or another team is like, "Yeah, we're not buying it this time." Um, so that was that was not a great decision or a, a great play call, but it ended up working out.
1: That's a really good one. Um, mine, I, I did like a dip and a half. I head not double dip because I started looking at the snap counts, and at first I was thinking. Why is Deontay Foreman getting 55% of the snaps, Roshan Johnson getting 28 and then Herbert only getting 17% of the snaps? And then when I dove into the tape more, and normally Roshan Johnson is the better pass blocker of that of those three, he had a rough game against the Lions. There were a couple times where he just looked lost. He wasn't sure what he was, it seemed like he wasn't sure what he was doing. There are a couple of sacks that resulted from it or just bad plays. So I almost wonder to an extent if during the gameplay, he got pulled back on that. Obviously you also know that Deontay Foreman is probably the best pure runner of that group. And Herbert really just hasn't gotten a lot of run uh, literally and figuratively when it comes because after that ankle. So is he 100% or are they just trying to slowly get him back there? So, you know, at first I was kind of like, why Roshan getting, no, sorry, why is Deontay getting all the run here? But then as I dove into it, it made more sense My real concussed corner is the field's light hits and the lack of calls for those. You know, Justin said this week, I talked to the refs before every game, literally talked to the ref before every game. It happened on the first play of the game against Detroit and didn't get the call. I can't do anything about it, so get up, move on to the next play. Um, Nick of CHGO talked to to various Bears and found what they had to say. Uh, Braxton Jones says, I think it's kind of crap. I think it's because he's obviously running maybe a little more than most quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, it's even – it isn't even about if he's a quarterback or what he is. Bayless Jones said, I mean, it's really sickening. Like I said, that is our quarterback. But overall, he's like a brother to me. We just want everybody protected. That's And, you know, go check out that full article. Again, Nick Moriano, CHGO, wrote that. They had a great uh, interviews with a bunch of different players on this. At some point, this has to change. You know, we saw Cam Newton's career cut short because of injury, because of a lot of hits that were delayed and his shoulder stuff that had going on. It's ridiculous. You know, 30 out of 32 quarterbacks probably get – you know, a, a late hit call, a, a hit to the head, all these things. And Justin just doesn't get that.
0: No. And I, I think that a lot of it is just the reputation. The the fact that he does run as much as he does, um, it, uh, you kind of wonder how much, um, you know, referees, and, and really the perception of him around the league is that he's, he's, a, he's a running back that throws the ball. Um, and, and I think the way he gets officiated that way. So I, that's really all I can I can say about that. I mean, not a single roughing the you know the you know unnecessary roughness call all season long. We've seen any number of plays where he gets dived on late or hit borderline out of bounds, where you would definitely see another another quarterback get that call. Patrick Mahomes would get that call. Josh Allen is is huge. He runs all the time. He gets that call. So yeah, Justin Fields not getting it though.
1: Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it'll finally change this week. I doubt it. A quick break here, and then we'll start to dive into the injuries. Next, we have our training room roundup. This is where we're going to take a look at what the Bears and the really beat-up Browns uh, have on the injury report. Boom. So Yannick Ngakwe out for the year. Probably the biggest thing for the Bears right now. Um, how impactful do you feel like this is for the bears as they try to win out these last four games?
0: I think it's unfortunate because he was playing better alongside Montez sweat. And he's probably aside from Montez. Well, not, not probably is aside from Montez sweat, your best pure pass rusher up front. So that is a problem because I don't, know that you're looking at demarcus walker and you know rashim green or whomever is is on the field as somebody who can replace just just the pure pass rushing ability that yannick and has i don't know that on a down-to-down basis it's going to kill them um and there are hopefully other ways that they can address that but it is extremely unfortunate that that he went down because i i think it is going to cost them a little bit on passing downs
1: yeah if i had to you know of important players to the bears i think he's almost on the lower end of that if that makes sense like obviously i care more that and we'll get into this dj Moore was limited today and you know and should play then like yannick you know i care more that braxton jones is going to be out there over yannick i care more that montez you know things of that nature but you know he was certain like you said to turn it around um I don't – he's one of those guys, too. Like, how much tape do you need on him? Because is he going to be back next year? He was on that one-year mercenary pass rusher contract. Do the Bears want to bring him back? Did he enjoy being here? You know, the, depends on probably what happens for agency, the draft, yada, yada. Definitely a, b- a bummer, though, because uh, he he was starting to really ascend. Um, when you look at the Brown side, before we get into some of these other specifics – I mean, like, as I alluded to, alluded to earlier, they're falling apart. Wills and Dewan Jones, their two, two starting tackles are now on IR. Uh, Maurice Hurst is on IR, their defensive tackle. Uh, Conklin is out, one of their other tackles. So they're down, I think, is off offensive tackle three and five, technically on their depth chart. Safety Grant Delpit is on IR. And funny enough, the Browns signed Daron Harmon, who had a cup of coffee with the Bears. Funny how that works out. They always sign someone who was recently on the team. Um, Ogo, Get the inside
0: uh, scoop, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, what can you tell us about what's going on there in the high side of Hallis Hall? Uh, Ogbo, Ocon, I'm going to butcher that name. Another player, uh, Peck Injury for the... Okoronkwo. Thank you. That's probably it. Peck Injury, he's going to be out. Um, old friend Sam Kamara got called up to the active roster because they are just so depleted. Um, it's it's the walking wounded over there, so I might as well just scroll this down and look what the... And you mentioned earlier, I, I can't even fit the the... Brown's injury report on the screen. We're going to have to it's scroll massive. through it. It's Their guard, Betonio's got a rest knee. He didn't participate. So who knows? I mean, I don't know if it's rest. I don't know if it's knee. Omari Cooper was full, so you can ignore him. Uh, one of their defensive tackles didn't participate because of concussion. Jerome Ford, they're starting running back with Chubb out is limited because of a wrist. Uh, Miles Garrett is on rest. You don't have to worry about that. Kareem Hunt's been kind of battling uh, injuries all year long. He was limited. Uh, they have another, and Joe Koo was resting. Po Uh, postage was didn't play or participate last two days because of the stinger Their starting center who i know a lot of bears fans wanted but he decided to stay home um god this keeps going
0: their free free safety
1: joan thornhill and then um denzel ward one of the biggest ones didn't uh, was limited because of a shoulder i this is weird it's a weird setup man
0: i mean basically what it's like what what it what it says. Obviously, is that this, there's a high likelihood that the Bears can win this game, and I, I think that it, it helps that the Chicago Bears, for the most part, are very healthy. They've had a couple of mini buys. They've had a bye week, um, and 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 they are doing better than most teams are right now. And this was going to be a massive test, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think it could only be made easier if the, if the, the offense can't stay on the field, right. If you've got injuries to the offensive line and you've got Joe Flacco kind of running for his life, just trying to get the ball out of his hands. You've got, you've got hurt, you know, running backs and, and, and stuff. It can only, it can only help. And so eventually if the deep, if the you know, Cavaliers, so I was going to say the Cavaliers, if the Browns <laughs> defense has to stay on the field a lot, eventually there's a chance you're going to get worn down. There's going to be a big play. And I think the Denzel ward injury is going to be the big one here, because if, if you don't have your top cornerback available to follow DJ Moore, then you're talking about a potentially huge DJ Moore game where it's just like, you know what? Uh, love all y'all guys. Cole commit. Love you. Darnell Mooney. Love you. But, uh, if I got Greg Newsome or like a backup corner on DJ Moore, then I'm just spamming DJ Moore all game. Why not? So I I think that there, there's that part. Also, I think the underrated thing that we keep talking about, because we keep talking about Justin Fields in the passing game, if they've got if they can run the football effectively, that is going to be absolutely massive because then it's not all on Justin Fields to get this done.
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a bummer um, last week. They really didn't get the run game going. I think, uh, I mean, the, Justin was their leading rusher, and the se- and second was um, Deontay, and he only had about 50 yards. Um, it's When you when I went back and watched that game against the Lions, it seemed like part of it was a little bit of a lack of stick-to-itiveness to the run game. They didn't really have a ton of runs. I think Foreman had 11 rushes, I believe it was, which is not exactly a ton. Um, And in addition to that, the Lions were definitely selling out to an extent, stacking the box and saying, hey, Bears, throw it on us. So one would hope that that changes a little bit this game. Switching over to the Bears side, uh, definitely a lot healthier. Some of the biggest ones that sit out there. Economius still not participating with that peck he missed last game, big in the the run game. And then Jaquan Brisker went from limited, probably got injured that day or exacerbated his uh, previous injury and did not participate today. How do you feel about that safety depth?
0: Well, I think the, the totality of the secondary has been has been pretty good. Um, I, I don't love the idea of Eddie Jackson getting left alone without Jaquan Brisker. I mean, you, you think about the way Jaquan Brisker has been playing of late. He's been everywhere. And I really think that they've, they've just had Eddie Jackson be the patrol deep guy and, and just be out of the picture, take away the big plays, do what you do, Jaquan, go run around. I, I think that if you're asking Elijah Hicks to fill that role, don't love that. I would be curious to see if if we would have uh you know Terrell Smith on the field potentially mm-hmm. as as a as a safety cornerback hybrid. I think when he's been out there, he's shown that he's a physical player um who can who can play multiple roles. So I I, I would be intrigued to see if he gets a little bit of run, if if Jaquan Brisker can't go or if he's getting hurt. Um, but I mean, look, you can survive with Elijah Hicks back there, especially, I think against this team, against this Browns team where Amari Cooper is, you know, he's going to deserve a lot of attention. He's going to get a lot of attention. He's probably also going to have Jalen Johnson on him. I would hope that they're going to be following him around with Jalen Johnson and then Elijah Moore. I mean, look, I I feel like uh, Elijah Moore is explosive. Um, He's he's obviously a guy that you got to worry about beating you down the field, but I feel like you're not worried about a whole lot of pass catchers unless you're talking about Amari Cooper, David, and you know Njoku. So I think that's where the safety issue could could come in there, especially if if you don't have somebody who can guard Njoku. Um, I feel like Amari Cooper could potentially be a bit of an easier task if you can if you're talking about putting Jalen Johnson and potentially just giving a little bit of a safety help from like Eddie Jackson over the top. Um, but I think the tight end thing is going to be an interesting issue because Najoku is one of the best in the league in terms of breaking tackles. And he got free for two touchdowns last week because the Jacksonville Jaguars blew the coverage. I was going to so, say those were, <laughs> those let,
1: were just let's, let's not let's people. not have
0: that. And the Chicago bears generally don't blow a whole lot of coverages. So hopefully we stay that way.
1: Yeah. I got some stats later that definitely support what you just said there. Um, this should be, a big Tremaine Edmonds game, right? I mean, in theory, this is what you paid the man for—is to take over the, that umbrella over that middle to deep section of the field where Njoku would, in theory, do a lot of damage.
0: And and this is where him just being giant and having you know just paddle arms is going to be nice because if you're talking about hitting Njoku up the seams or or, or somewhere in kind of the short middle, letting him break tackles, having Edmonds just be in the area and deter throws or have to throw around him or throw over him could be interesting. I would not necessarily want him running stride for stride with Nijoku Cause I just, I think that's a mismatch. Um, but, but I think that having him just in the middle of the field. And also I think that depending on the matchups, depending on, on maybe Jaquan Brisker can play uh, or, or you feel like you've got a matchup that works you can send Tremaine Edmonds blitzing. He's been one of the better blitzers in the league recently. So I I think that um, he's, he's not worth the money (laughs) right now. He has not been worth the money this year, but I think that you're starting to see him be used in a bit more of a creative fashion that is helping him showcase his skills.
1: We're going to move on to our knee jerk reaction today. We're going to have a little bit of a special section here. I'm not going to really say anything besides maybe some color commentary. Uh, Kyrie is going to take this for his hot take going into this week.
0: So I wrote up something because I, I had this in my mind um, as, as I was looking back on, on my past experiences. So for, for those of you who uh, don't know, I used to cover the New England Patriots and the very first Patriots game I attended uh, for coverage purposes was week 16 in 2019, where the Buffalo Bills were in town facing the Patriots, um, the Patriots would go on to win that game. But I got to see Josh Allen for the first time really start to, to I, I think one of the first times he started to figure out how to play within himself. Because I was used to the erratic throws and the interceptions and the fumbles. And, you know, yeah, maybe you hurdle a guy or he'd do something crazy. The, the athleticism and the talent was there. But this was a game where I saw him make good decisions with the football. Not put the ball into harm's way. Throw the ball fairly accurately. And he made one throw that I think I'll probably never forget. Um, fading backwards in the pocket like a 50-yard dot for a touchdown just perfectly thrown ball. It's one of the first truly like God tier throws I think I've seen in person. Um, And I had that impression when thinking about Justin Fields last few games of football where there's still plenty of inconsistency. It's not perfect. You're still wondering if he, if he's going to get it, but you're starting to see the talent get sort of harnessed a little bit more into something that's more of a solid, football player or solid solid quarterback solid thrower of the football so that it's not just oh yeah when he runs he's great but when he throws the ball he's terrible i think that depending on where we are in the last couple of games i mean you could you could look back to the 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 denver broncos game and say now that's one two three four five games of at least not bad football There are are three games in there that were very, very good and two games that were all right. So now at this point, I think you've gotten to a point where the the good or at least, you know, the not bad finally outweighs the bad. So, So you feel you feel good about that. I think that and I thought to myself, based on that, let me go ahead and look at their stats here. And and look at year three Justin Fields versus year two Josh Allen. The reason I did that was because, and then when you look at what Justin Fields has been, and, and yes, I get it. It's year three. It is he is is he's a third year quarterback. I understand. Um, and traditionally, like you, you get to year three, and you're supposed to know if a guy is the guy or not. Um, and I I get that. I think that the the situation that Justin Fields was in was not conducive to that just poop because he basically was in his second year, almost like a rookie getting plopped onto a bad team. He's like basically every, every rookie quarterback that you've seen that gets taken number one overall or um, you know, top 10 and they're going to a terrible football team. Like last year's Chicago bears were a gut reno offense. There was really not a whole lot there in terms of weapons. The offensive line was, was developing not very good. And sure, there was plenty of, of, of issues on Justin Fields, but he was really left to fend for himself, and he did, and he he managed to stave off uh, the, the you know being traded for the number one pick this year. That's obviously going to be a tougher proposition. And I don't know that it happens, but when I think about Justin Fields, I think that it, if you're being fair to to him in this situation. You would almost look at him almost as a, as a second year player, at least a second year player in this offense, and looking at the growth from last year to this year in this offense. Um, because it's not like what happened with Trevor Lawrence, where he gets a new coach, and you know, then okay, that's it, that's all that mattered. No, he got Doug Peterson, who is an experienced offensive mind, and he also got Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and Travis Etienne. And a bunch of offensive players to go around him. That meant that he didn't have to do it all the way that he did his rookie year, in which him and Fields were kind of in the, in the same boat, largely. So, I, I it, it, they're not apples to apples, and I feel like the Justin Fields situation is very different because of that. Normally, and if you're if you're changing coaches or changing GMs in the second year, you, you see a quarterback and like, okay, okay, let me build around this guy. The Bears have been hedging their bets. They've been hedging their bets the entire time. And you have to keep that in mind when it comes to Justin Fields. So that's why I looked at him almost as like, let me compare him to Josh Allen's second year. And essentially what you see, and this is going to go live on uh, windy city gridiron, probably about 20 minutes. They're essentially the same player. Like year three, Justin Fields versus year two, Josh Allen are basically like the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. They both took a lot of sacks. They both struggled a little bit with accuracy. Um, struggled with interceptions early in the year, especially, and then cut it down as, as the year went on fumbled a lot. As a matter of fact, I think, uh, Josh Allen had more fumbles per game than, than Justin Fields did, or at least it was, it was very, very similar, um, passer rating good, not great though. I think that in, in total, Justin Fields passer rating has been pretty solid, uh, because of some of his bigger performances. But even, even since it's stabilized a little bit, still good play. Efficiency-wise, they were both about, you know, in, in terms of estimated points uh, and, and uh, you know, completion percentage over expected, they were both about exactly the same and around 20th-ish in the league. Both had kind of high-ish sack rates. In, well, in particular, they had high pressure to sack rates. Uh, Josh Allen was about 19. Justin Fields is about 20 and a half. The sack rate was a little bit lower for Josh Allen. The bottom line is, I think that if you look at things that way and you look at the trajectory where I feel like Josh Allen was very much in the same boat where he got better or at least more stable as the year went on and there weren't just as many
1: horrible
0: peaks and valleys um, as, as there were earlier in the season, I think there's a little bit there to say that there's still more to explore with Justin Fields' ceiling. I don't think that it's necessarily a given that just, oh, just because he's a third-year quarterback, well, that's it. that It's all said and done. I don't know that that's true. I think that given another year in this offense and in, in this scenario, yes, I do indeed think that Luke Getsey would have to be back because if you're asking him to change offensive coordinators, then you're probably ruining the, the point of the exercise here um plus i think as i mentioned earlier i think there's a little bit of better play coming from and a little bit of more trust uh in Luke Getz's system from Justin Fields lately i think that if you gave Justin Fields another year in the system and gave Justin Fields another really good receiver you could see another jump from Justin Fields and see him be a quarterback that you can win because of not just win with and to that point about the wide receiver, because it's something I touch on too, one of the big things that people talk about is, well, you know, Justin Fields doesn't – he only throws to two guys, you know, DJ Moore and Cole Komet, you know, because he can't read a defense. So why are we going to give him another receiver? You know who else only threw to two guys and and did that throughout that point of his career? Josh Allen. He had – he would give out a hundred – basically the distribution percentage-wise is almost exactly the same – when you look at the top two targets for Josh Allen versus Justin Fields in, in years, you know, two, three and four, if you're counting, you know, Josh Allen's fourth year. Cause I, I went ahead and, and looked ahead there. Um, basically it's like he threw to nobody, but John, but John Brown and Cole Beasley in his second season. And then the next highest targeted person was like, what that was that Gabe Davis that year? No, Gabe Davis was the next year. Then it was like uh, Dawson Knox and then after that, it was like 166 targets to Stefan Diggs and like 100 something to Cole Beasley. And then the next highest targeted person was like Gabe Davis with 52. And of course, there were a lot more pass uh, attempts from Josh Allen than there were from Justin Fields. But if you look at the percentages, it's basically the same, which is to say that you don't stop making, you know, just blanket assumptions that like, oh, yeah, if you don't give the guy a weapon, he won't be better. If you give him a better weapon, he probably would be better, and I think that right now what we're seeing is Darnell Mooney, who I I like. I don't think he's that guy. I think that if you if you were to give Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears say maybe not Marvin Harrison Jr., but you know because you might not be high enough to to make that pick. But if you if you gave him you know Roma Dunze or you gave him Malik Neighbors. Or, or you gave him Keon Coleman, something like that, that you could see a similar rise in play. I think you really could. Now, all of that being said, there are a couple of things that, you know, obviously I mentioned the, the, the sack rate still being a little bit higher. Also, Josh Allen was way better targeting the, uh, the intermediate middle of the field and especially the intermediate range generally. Uh, he, he did it more frequently and did it more efficiently than Justin Fields is doing this year. And you wonder, is, is that weapons? Is that offense? Or is that Justin Fields just not seeing it? Well, obviously, we saw him airmail a dagger route. We've also seen him hit that throw. I mean, it, it's just kind of inconsistent. So maybe there are certain things that wouldn't just get better overnight for Justin Fields. And we're also going to talk about the elephant in the room, which is that, OK, great. maybe Maybe Justin Fields could make that leap but also you're going to have the number one overall pick. And I'm going to like, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I watched, you know, some of Caleb Williams today. Not, I mean, I watched him during the season as well, but I decided, you know what? I think it's time. Let me go ahead and flip some Caleb Williams on. I think mean, Caleb Williams for, for those who are skeptical. Yeah, sure. I think he has some of the same issues as Justin Fields, but I think even those issues, he gets out of them better than Justin Fields does. And I think that there are certain things that he does that very few quarterbacks even at the NFL level, can do. So I think that if you're looking at just who's got the higher peak, who do I think has the higher peak? You're probably going to say Caleb Williams and you're probably going to take him number one overall. And that is what it is. And I think that that feels like that's what's going to happen. If there was a situation where you weren't sold on that and you thought, you know what, maybe Justin Fields, maybe we can win a Super Bowl with him. And and I, as a matter of fact, I think I think that like I'm convinced that we're going to win a Super Bowl with him. There is a chance that you could get rewarded based on what I'm seeing, the way that this is kind of congealing for him. There's a chance you could get rewarded with elite play if you stuck with him, and you invested in him. But it's going to be a leap of faith that I'm not sure the Bears are going to be willing to take when they had when they gave themselves and out and gave themselves a lottery ticket and it's cashing in.
1: Yeah. It's uh, to just kind of summarize what you said there and and add a little bit, like it's understated how much of a waste year one was. Justin had little to no, actually none. I don't think reps with the starters uh, that first year got thrown into that Browns game. And obviously we know how that ended. It was not a fun game. A lot of sacks he got physically destroyed. It was, it was rough. Um, And that whole first year, right? Just, just a waste. Year two, kind of ish a waste because, again, you gutted that team. You were – when Darnold Mooney got hurt, you were throwing to a bunch of guys who were working for the post office and Amazon by the end of it. And, you know, you, you – it was – and then when you started this year even, those first two games, that offense looks very different than the current offense. That was still the Getty. I'm going to try to make Justin the quarterback that I want him to be offense versus more so what it is now – which at least you're leaning into Justin's strengths a little bit more. And as you talked about, you're seeing that growth. My elephant in the room I'll bring up is the timeline, right? Like you don't punish the kid who didn't get to go to school for two years. And like when he gets, and then when he finally does get to finally go, like, why aren't you at the fifth grade reading level we want you to be at? Well, it's because you didn't give him what what he needed, but at the same, but what happens there is, yeah, you have time to catch up. Unfortunately for Justin, you don't have time to as much time to catch up because you have this first round you have this first overall pick sitting there you have Caleb Blage and Drake May sitting there uh potentially even uh, Daniels if you want to go that far and you also have that looming do you pay Justin right you you give him cuz you're not going to give him the, at least the Daniel Jones contract if not more so you're in you're in a weird spot you might be able to say hey i can foresee this progressing in a way that i'd rather just add around him and then ultimately if he you know, isn't the guy if you if you pick up the fifth year and you don't do the contract. I don't know. There's multiple things you can do. Um that you have a nice landing spot for the rookie you eventually draft. But yeah, as you talked about, it's a it's a weird spot for him to be in.
0: Yeah. And I think the the cold hard fact of it is that the Chicago Bears, Ryan Poles in particular, um I don't think that they treated justin fields especially as a second year player i don't i don't think they viewed this as we have a duty to justin fields i think it was we have a duty to the chicago bears to make the chicago bears as good as we can be for the future um and i don't know based on what they've done that justin fields was ever necessarily the 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 plan for them, the long-term plan. They certainly haven't haven't acted that way. Um, obviously, they, they brought DJ Moore in, but I think, yeah, that's to give you an evaluation. But that's also very much to say, you, you know what? Let's anyway, go ahead right? and I mean, it
1: doesn't matter who that, that could be right?
0: that could be for the next guy too. Yeah, and I think it's just to like raise the overall level of your team, and it's going to be great for Caleb Williams if, you know, if the, if the bears end up taking him, you're going to have DJ Moore here and they'll probably, you know, I could see them taking another receiver, right. It's, it's great. Um, and then he gets to walk into, into a better situation than you would normally get to have. I, I think that that's really the cold art fact of it is that Ryan Poles, when it comes down to it, his job is not to do right by Justin Fields. It's to do right by the Chicago bears. And he gave himself an opportunity to, you know, make this trade and, and, you potentially get another high first round pick out of it and and he is and so fairly or unfairly Justin Fields is being judged against that whether he had the most pristine development opportunity or not he is he has improved he has by by any number of metrics, like him throwing the football, he has improved. There are obviously certain things about what are you seeing? Are you throwing it enough? Which I think that there's there's an element where you could say he's not throw you could should throw the ball more, um, but he is improving as a player, and I think that a lot of people are seeing that and recognizing it.
1: But let me, let me float something at you. Um, sure. You mentioned some of the receivers. Obviously, my dream is still Marvin Williams, which. Is probably not going to happen for a variety of reasons, mainly, even if you did stick with Justin and then trade back, you, you wouldn't, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be sitting in a weird spot that just doesn't let that happen. Depending on how you stack the rest of it, you mentioned Malik neighbors, right? You mentioned, you know, some of the other receivers, what if you traded back to a point where a Keon Coleman's another guy, it depends on your flavor of receiver you like. What if you traded back to a point where you drafted a individual, like a whatever receiver you want, and or Brock Bowers? How does he potentially, because right now you have Cole Komet, who's a true, in my opinion, wide tight end. He's not, he's a good in line. He does everything you want across the board, but he's not a big enough needle mover in the receiver. Could you double dip where you get one of the receivers, the Keon Coleman's of the world, the uh, neighbors of the world, etc., cetera, and then the second pick of that first round being a Brock Bowers?
0: I mean, I would love that personally because, I mean, look, Cole Komet got paid. He's going to be here. Um, but Brock, Blau- Brock Bowers is a different flavor. I mean, how many times do you flip on the tape and you, you watch you know, JTO Sullivan, right? And he's just like looking at Cole Komet like he's just, he's too slow. This is all happening way too slow. Like, great. You can run downhill. You can smash into people, but you're not running away from people. Brock Bowers is a matchup problem. And we've seen how many tight ends throw. I mean, look at Sam Laporta in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he gets open. He rambles down the field. He breaks tackles like crazy. I mean, that's – Brock Bowers is is like Sam Laporta on roids. So you could definitely use a guy like that in your offense. And I think that you could use more red zone caliber targets. Because I feel like right now that's one thing you're kind of missing. You've got DJ Moore and you've got Cole Komet don't really have another receiver on the outside that makes you think oh yeah like this guy can get it done in the red zone um no Darno mooney again i think he's i think he's a good player but he's a little slight you don't Uh, have a big athletic
1: body like that you just don't
0: yeah and so you could you could use that whether it's a move tight end or whether it's a big wide receiver so i'm i'm absolutely with you on that
1: I'm just thinking about like a Bowers, a Dunze combo to just pair with Justin Fields. Plus, you know, that other first round pick or two, three that you're going to get in that trade and probably a player involved. Mm, I like that. Give me Max Crosby trade with the Raiders. That sounds great to me.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, that's the dream. But again, that's, that's something that you have to weigh that against any number of things, which is if that works out and then you know Justin Fields is is just if, if he doesn't in, improve which i would feel like i'd have a hard time believing he wouldn't but if he's doesn't take you to the playoffs or you don't win a playoff game and then within 2 years Caleb Williams on whatever team he's on is awesome right or you're, and he and he's looking like CJ Stroud just just dominating right off the bat which i think when i think about it i feel like Caleb Williams is going to struggle a little bit more i think he's going to fumble a lot potentially in his rookie year. I think he's going to get sacked a lot, but I think once he figures that out, I mean, and even while he's figuring it out, he's going to do stuff that, you think like probably only patrick mahomes can do so so you'll live with it especially as a rookie and the key is that it's not just about the it's not about the rookie year it's about the second year and the third year and i feel like there's a solid chance that caleb williams is, is better than justin fields within two years i think that could easily be the case hundred
1: percent and i hear what you're saying i hear what most people are saying and because like and when i say what i'm about to say i'm not saying it's likely i'm saying it's a possibility you know there were teams that had Zach Wilson ranked above Trevor Lawrence, right? Like not a lot of teams, but there were teams that have, that had, they would have taken him over Trevor Lawrence. There were teams that would have taken Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. There were teams that wanted to take RG three over Andrew Luck, all of that being true. So that being said, is, there is still a possibility, right? That Caleb Williams, whether it's on the field or potentially even off the field, mental, emotional, other things. What if he isn't the dude? Or why are we assuming he is?
0: I mean you can't you can't assume any of this, right? And maybe he gets in a room with Ryan Poles and Ryan Poles doesn't feel it, you know, because I think that there I think ultimately, right, when people talk about him being Patrick Mahomes, I think that there's only one of those. I think that that he is a singular kind of player not just in what he does on the football field, but how he does it and the way he thinks about the game. I feel like his mentality obviously threw a bit of a tantrum this past week, Um, but I think generally he's, he's, he's a different kind of cat and I don't, I'm, I just feel like I don't know that Caleb Williams is that kind of mental player. I'm literally just talking about, about all football. There is a chance. And I feel like in terms of intangibles, I mean, clearly we've talked about this a lot. The locker room loves Justin Fields. And I think that there's going to be, there are going to be some sad faces in there when slash if, um, Justin Fields is moved. I mean, there are going to be a bunch of people in there that probably thought he, he should have stayed or, you know, got a raw deal, but in the end they're going to, you know, if there's a rookie coming in, Caleb Williams, Drake may, they're going to get in line because that's the job. Um, and I, I think that ultimately when it comes to intangibles, Justin Fields, it's going to be hard to beat that you think about the stuff that he has the way he's battled and the way that he's kept his head up the way that he's fought through the adversity he's he's you know been through i think that's going to say a lot but again i think it's it all comes down to how are you going to take the north and and never give it back if you think justin fields is the guy to help you do that then your decision is made but i feel like there's a lot of smoke and really, logic would suggest that the Bears are probably going to look at it and say, well, even if if we don't think that they're generational, like Andrew Luck, uh, you know, Peyton Manning or, you know, Trevor Lawrence or whatever it is, even if we don't think that they're that guy, might as well take the cheap rookie and then build the Death Star around him and then go do your thing. So uh, I, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I feel like you, we know where it's trending.
1: The last thing I'll say on it is before we move on to actually, because we have a lot to be still to get to uh, the last thing I'll say on that is it's all, in, in my opinion, it's all about getting to the dance and then great things happen. So if your goal is to take the North and never give it back, I don't think we're that far off from Justin Fields being the best quarterback in the NFC North, right? And with Kirk cousins, prob- probably leaving with Jared Goff being a pumpkin and with Jordan love being He was, he had some really good weeks. And then, I mean, last week, he just looked terrible. We're not that far away from that. And if you're not that far away from that, and if you can consistently take the North and never give it back and you're consistently making the playoffs, and now you're talking about, you know, all you need is a a defense to go on a heater and your quarterback to be on a heater. Now, all of a sudden you're having that different conversation. And that's, and that's just kind of, but there's a lot that has to happen. So, Moving on, because we got a life I got a lot to get to. To be a perfectly honest, something brutally honest, mine was um, while as a general fan, the injuries and slight decreased difficulty of this Browns game with now Joe Cool being there instead of maybe a Deshaun Watson, who's already struggling too. That's a whole other conversation, but how um, sparse this Browns team is looking. Um, I am still kind of bums, though, because I want a full out, hard test, no excuses game that j- for Justin to perform well in. I don't need a softball. I want him to hit a home run off of, you know, off a curve. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but you know, that's something that, you know, we absolutely have to, that I'm, that I'm hoping for and that's kind of bums me out. So that's my honest.
0: I think that, um, yeah, I, I think, I think that mine would be kind of, as I've said that, I think that, probably these next couple of games and i think that you've you've shared some information that would that would kind of contradict that um but i think that more likely than not what happens over the last couple of games is not the is not going to overly change the outcome unless they are either so amazing or so terrible um that that is just like well that's it. I mean, might as well not even play the rest of the games. Um, and so I guess the where I'm at right now is that unless unless the Chicago Bears win a playoff game this year with with a really good quarterback performance, I, I feel like it's going to be hard. And this is not what I want to be saying. It's really not. I think it's going to be hard to envision them not making a move. And I and I and I honestly wonder um to be perfectly honest um even even if they they did you know decently well and like you know they got 8 and 9 or 9 and 8 or what have you if you bring the coaching staff back does Luke Getzy, you know, or like, like, does he even want Justin Fields? <laughs> you know, wouldn't he rather just have somebody else? That That's kind of like what, what I'm And thinking.
1: that's honestly part of the reason why I, I like 80, no, 75% agree with you that if Justin stays, it makes the most sense to have Getzy here because you don't want to do the Jay Cutler thing and give him a thousand offensive coordinators. But I also don't know that they even like each other or they go all together. So it's like, I don't, I don't know if that's truly the, I don't know if that's really the best thing. It seems like it might be like the, the main difference for me would be if you can get a person like Eric Bieniemy because I unless he gets elevated in Washington once Ron Rivera gets fired and let's be real Ron Rivera's p- probably getting fired so unless he gets elevated there he's going to be a free agent bring him in as an offense coordinator might gel better yeah I don't I don't know it's all it's all gross ain't this humorous something that we find uh pretty funny um I've is kind of funny uh, Brad Biggs tweeted um, <laughs> when asked how well he will compensate for the loss of Yannick Ngakwe to get more pressure. Bears head coach, uh, Evan at quipped, blitz every snap. Maybe that is what was up his sleeve all along. Uh, Flus is getting a little better with the media and he's actually kind of like, I think a funny dude when he's comfy and right now he's definitely comfy.
0: I mean, he's definitely pretty corny, but you know, I think, I think, I think, think we'll take it. Um, for mine. I don't know if you've watched the mic'd up. Uh, version that the the Chicago Bears shared on their social media account uh, from this last game. It was Tyreek Stevenson, and while and and, and you know, most of it was defensive highlights, but the one offensive play they showed was the fourth and thirteen where they caught the Detroit Lions lacking, and while they were. While that play was happening, Stevenson and like Kyler Gordon and a couple of people were narrating the play as it was going on. They're like, "Oh, they're gonna do a couple motions." Oh, they're gonna, they're, they're trying to they're gonna call timeout. They're not gonna really do it. And it's like, watch somebody jump, and then it happens. And Kyler Gordon is in the background, it's like, "See it, see it, see it!" And he's and they're they're all like tripping out. And they're talking about, "Did you get that on the mic?" So it's like, I sometimes mic'd up stuff gives you gold.
1: Hundred um, percent. What you need to know going into this game, uh, for me, like really, the biggest storyline is obviously Justin Fields. We talked to death about that, but it's also this defense. Yes, they did not play exactly the best of offenses, but it is getting better and better, according to Adam Johns, Since the Montez Sweat trade, the Bears defense ranks between uh, between weeks nine and fourteen are fourth in total yards, sixth in yard yards per game, fourth in pass yards per game, interceptions they're tied for first, passer rating first, explosive play percent second. Pressure percentage sixteenth needs to improve. Third down percents is at twenty fifth. Red zone percents at twenty sixth. So that could definitely get better. Is it a chance that should Montez Sweat be in the talk for Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, that's a big impact change.
0: I think that because he plays for the Chicago Bears, that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, he probably doesn't also have the the overall numbers. Yes to to have that argument but he's definitely the defensive player of the year for the chicago bears already and he's only been here for like four weeks so definitely got to give that to him he's been he's been outstanding i think there are a lot of people that were like why would you make that trade he's not really about like there are still people saying that he's like it's too much money and he's played he's played up to it he's looked excellent um for for me i would say Let's let's point to the Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, zero interceptions in his last three games. Now, you do have to point out that there were some fumbles in there. There were three fumbles, so it's not like it was a completely turnover free, but not turning the ball over through the air. Good things have generally been happening when he throws the football and. I mean, I I think that I've I've pointed this out a couple of of, of different times. I believe that uh, since week four, you really got to kind of factor things in, uh, kind of before week four and after week four, because the first weeks of the season were so so horrible that they they were just like unconscionably weighing down his numbers. But I believe that since week four of the season, Justin Fields is like the seventh rated passer. He's definitely top 10 in estimated points added and completion percentage over expected. So the tale of two parts of the season for, for Justin Fields. Before week four and after week four, he has been consistently playing better football.
1: Our next section, love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. Uh, matchup or specific dynamic that we love for the Bears when we hate and something we'd want to fix. What do you love?
0: I love the fact that uh, I just checked it out and he's sixth in the league since uh, since week four, just behind Trevor Lawrence. There you go. Um, Love it. The fact that the Chicago Bears have been dominating opponents defensively. They're taking the football away. They're suffocating and they're giving their offense an opportunity to figure things out. (sighs) Hate it. I kind of. I've 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 not liked a lot of the the plus side of the field and red zone play calling that the that the Chicago Bears have been employing on offense. Um, I think in the second half it was better, but don't get cute on fourth and one. Just sneak your quarterback or hand it off to a running back. Don't pitch it to DJ Moore behind the line of scrimmage. Don't call, you know, don't call speed outs into the boundary. <laughs> with with no routes over there except like, you know, uh, like Darno Mooney just just chilling over there. Got to get better in the red area. Got to make sure that you're scoring off of turnovers because that's still been an issue. Got to get touchdowns and make explosive plays when you take the football away. Or eventually it's going to come back and bite you and you're going to lose like you did against the Detroit Lions. Rehabilitate it. I, I, I need to see a little bit more out of this this run game. Um, I think that it's, it's stalled a little bit, and I think that it's hampered a little bit of what the Chicago Bears offense can be. I think that some of that is due to you know Deontay Foreman working his way back from injury and a little bit of Khalil Herbert probably working his way back from injury. Roshan Johnson, he's a rookie, still kind of hit and miss, and obviously we've seen that his past – Protection is kind of eh, but I think that when it comes to running the football, I want to see them dominate a little bit more on the ground because that is going to help them keep the ball away from some of these offenses that can hurt them.
1: Uh, My love, uh, even with Japan brisker potentially out is going to be this bear secondary versus Joe Flacco and the Browns wide receivers. Amari Cooper has been battling injury. He had a concussion a couple weeks ago that he was dealing with, and he has not been as impactful uh, you talked about that earlier. His two of his, what, three touchdowns uh, were blown coverages. And so I think that the flack of love is a little bolstered more than it should be. And the secondary is flying around doing some great things. I uh, hate anything to do with Miles Garrett. I hate the fact that he's in this game. I hate the fact that he's going to probably do terrible things. I, they better have GP be chipping him constantly. I don't care if it messes with the what you want to do in your offense normally but you send the running back to just give him a shoulder it, right into the rib. Every single time you send a tight end, you, you, you shift a guard and a tackle. I don't care. You always have at least two people making contact with him. Every anyone else can mess up this game. It cannot be miles Garrett. And lastly, rehabilitate. DJ Moore had zero targets in the first half last game. He got handed the ball twice. One was good for a touchdown. One was that stupid flip play. Um, and then he had 10 targets in the second half, six catches, 60 yards and one touchdown. Do that sooner. Like, why are you waiting until the second half to get the ball to your best playmaker? Uh, Especially, like, just spread that out. It makes no dang sense to me.
0: Daughter just walked in, so be advised.
1: Um, Now we got our X-Factors. X-Factor for the Browns, uh, unsettle Justin Fields, right? Uh, They have to get after him. They have to make him have to get chippy feet, like the quick feet, and, and chop, 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 because when Justin has been comfortable, he is able to make all of the throws on the field.
0: And I think that for, uh, for the Browns, that would be miles Garrett. That's going to be what you do, because I think that you can obviously blitz Justin Fields. He's played a little bit better against the blitz. And I don't know that, I mean, Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator. He's been a good defensive coordinator for a while. I don't know that I, I would fear his blitz packages in quite the same way of that. I would fear Brian Flores is because he's just been absolutely diabolical, um, but I think that really when it comes to does Justin Fields have time to throw or not, especially with some of the injuries up front for Cleveland, it's miles Garrett time. This, this could absolutely be one of those games where he destroys everything by himself. I mean, look, he can beat double and triple teams. So, I mean, not there, there's no amount of protection. That's enough when it comes to him.
1: Um, X factor for the bears. Uh, it's just uh, kind of the opposite. I cheated a little bit, but rhythm for offense When, you know, the first series, second series tends to be pretty good for both Gatsy and Fields, and then it starts to fall apart and sometimes picks back up, you can't lose that rhythm, you know, consistency in the play call, the diversity in plays, it shouldn't be run, run, pass, etc, etc, etc. So, right, keep doing what is working, don't get away from it for no reason.
0: I think that since you went ahead and you you got to the offensive side, I'll stick to the defensive side for the Chicago Bears. And that would be just harass Joe Flacco, because ultimately the guy is, you know, he, he, he's he's a professional. He knows what he's doing out there. He can beat blitzes. He knows how to get the ball out of his hands, all that good stuff. But if you move him off the platform, he's 38 years old. He can't really run away from you. And you're, you're going to make life more difficult for him. Don't just let him sit there and do what he does. Okay? Get after him. Force him off his spots. And you will force the ball out of the Cleveland Browns' hands.
1: Over-unders. 100%. I forgot to do these. So I'm going to do these off the dome. Um, over-under 50 rushing yards for Justin Fields.
0: I'm going to say under in this one.
1: I Over- think that... No, keep going.
0: I think that you might get a couple of scrambles out of this, but hopefully this is one of those get the ball out of your hands games.
1: Ooh. Okay. Um, how do I, I'll save this one. So over under a sack and a half for miles Garrett. Over, uh, over under attempted air yards downfield. Sorry. attempt uh, air yards per attempt downfield for Justin Fields. 9.5.
0: You said you said air yards per attempt. Yeah. Oh, it's a that's under. <laughs> that's under for real. <laughs>
1: Damn it. I was really hoping you would say over. Um over under uh touchdowns for Jerome Ford, one and a half. Under. Uh and then over under, let's do receptions for Amari Cooper, six and a half. Over. Over under carries for Roshan Johnson, two and a half. Over. All right, there we go. Game predictions. We will start, of course, with the Bears at, at Browns. The Browns are favored by three. So basically, a you
0: know, pick them. Bears. Give me Bears. The Bears. The Bears.
1: This really should be a win at this point. Like I said, I wish it was going to be a tougher test. If they lose this, it's going to suck because now you – you didn't play up, you know, they, the Browns were beats of shit. So this is, but at the same time, it's still a solid defense, even if they're missing some pieces. And of course, a lot on offense with the tackles and yada, yada, Um Thursday night football, Chargers at Raiders. Raiders are favored by three. Justin Herbert ton for the season. So now you have stick versus o- O'Connell, right? That's who the yeah, Raiders have.
0: Aiden O'Connell, he of the, uh, they just lost three to nothing to the Minnesota Vikings.
1: Who you, who you got here?
0: Uh, what what's the line again?
1: Three Raiders favored. Ugh.
0: Do I have to? Unfortunately, because give, give me me uh, chargers. Give me chargers. Yeah, let's see what is it Easton stick? You yeah, know. Easton stick.
1: Yeah, cool. I can't I couldn't believe they're I know it's a short week, but I couldn't believe they couldn't go get a vet of some kind.
0: I think at this point they're yeah. They're going down.
1: Okay, here's a. Okay, I know, I know, we have to get out of here, but I have to ask this question. So, let's say you did, you're getting a new offensive coordinator. I don't care who the quarterback is in this question. Um, you're probably Staley's probably getting fired, right? Because this has been trash for the Chargers. You now have, um, and now I'm blanking on his name. Now that I'm trying to say, who's your offensive coordinator? For whom? For the Chargers.
0: Oh, that's a uh, Kellen. Thank you. You have, Moore? You have yeah, Kellen, Kellen Moore. Moore
1: yeah. Yes. You have Kellen Moore, who I know has been a hot Prosser,
0: Washington legend. That's from was, where my wife is from. Oh, interesting.
1: So he did decent to Dallas, leaves Dallas. Dallas is taking off this year. That offense is a juggernaut right now with, with Dak Prescott. He goes to the Chargers, and there's a lot of factors going on there, but it hasn't been great, let's be honest, with the Chargers. Is Kellen Moore someone you'd be interested in as an offensive coordinator still?
0: I could do without it. The shine's gone, right? It's just the shine is gone.
1: Yeah. I think he looked at that as something that was going to propel him to a head coach. And now I don't even know. Ugh, I don't want him as an offensive coordinator.
0: Got to do a little bit of imagery rehab. Cause if you're not, if you're not working with, uh with Justin Herbert, I mean, some of it's injury, got to say some of it is injury. Um, and you know, I mean, Keenan Allen's been having a good year, obviously, but I think when you look at the totality of the offense, um, if if you're not if you're not able to make it work with Justin Herbert, that's kind of an issue.
1: We have some Saturday games, three of them, in fact, and we're gonna pick two. Saturday NFL network, Vikings at Bengals, Bengals favored by three and a half.
0: Bengals. Bengals. Let's Brownie. go, baby.
1: Joe Burrow, system quarterback. Uh also Saturday, Broncos at Lions, Lions favored by five.
0: This is an interesting one. I the Bron, the Broncos have been winning lately. They have? very curious. Ooh, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm feeling a little frisky right now. I feel like I'm I feel like, I might take the Broncos. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm taking the Broncos.
1: All right. Uh, Falcons at Panthers important for that pick, of course, and also important for potential bears, uh playoff hopes if the Falcons lose. So that's kind of weird. Uh, Panthers favorite by three. Uh, sorry. Falcons favored by three.
0: I can't, I, The, the Fal- I can't see the Panthers winning another game. So I just, I think that's it.
1: Fun stat. The Falcons have not let up a rushing touchdown to a running back this year.
0: And they're probably not going to do it to the Panthers because the Panthers can't throw. So
1: Uh, Buccaneers at Packers. Packers favored by three and a half.
0: I mean, I would have to check this out. I think the, the Buccaneers defense is playing pretty good. And obviously they've got Todd Bowles and Todd Bowles is very aggressive. I think that if you are aggressive with Jordan Love, you can make him be bad. And so my thought is, I think I might take the Buccaneers here. Um,
1: interesting. That's, an- yeah. that's
0: another weird one because either one of those outcomes is not good for the Bears' playoff hopes.
1: Correct. The Buccaneers don't matter as much anymore, but the Buccaneers for sure do.
0: I mean the, the Packers do matter because they have one more win. So if in theory they won out, um then you're you're in over them and that's it. Well obviously because they'd be winning over you. But even if they won, even if they won three games going you know up to week eighteen, then you can't catch them anyway. So I, I think I think that uh you, you don't want that one way or another.
1: Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough mix. A lot of teams playing each other in these scenarios. And then we're going to wrap it up with uh, this section, our Coxx and Bull story, our bold predictions, mine, uh, my two offense defense on offense, Justin throws for over 300 yards. I'm, this is going to be a weird thought process. So bear with me, but I think that the defense is going to create some shorter fields. And I think that's going to create some shot opportunities, right? Some 30 yard chunks, 40 yard chunks. If you're taking the ball at the, you know, around the 50 or so. Um, and, Versus having to just whittle away down the field, maybe with more runs and some shorter passes starting further back. Uh, And on defense, I think Gervon Dexter triples his sack numbers and gets one and a half sacks this game.
0: Hey, look at that. Uh (laughs) Fun with numbers. Indeed. (laughs) Okay. Three touchdown passes for Justin Fields. For maybe potentially similar reasons to what you were talking about. And I think I think Kyler Gordon's getting a pick.
1: I would love it. I'd absolutely love that. That is all we have for tonight. Thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to the podcast later, I appreciate you listening to that. Uh, Always please leave some comments, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, go check out Kyrie's article that he's that he has regarding Josh Allen and Justin Fields. I think it's gonna be a very interesting read. I can't wait to dive into it myself. Um, definitely creates a narrative that supports the idea of potentially investing in Justin Fields long-term uh, versus going with that number one overall pick being a quarterback. Obviously there's a lot, there's still time to figure out what the heck pairs are going to be doing. And we probably won't really know what that's going to be ultimately until between the combine. And then is it, May right 5th or something is when you have to make that decision for the fifth year option.
0: Let me check on that, but it's somewhere around there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot that's going to happen. Strap in for, for interesting time, but at least bears are playing some meaningful football. um, And it helps that they have second, by the way, May second. There you go. And it helps that the bears have that uh, almost locked in number one pick uh, because they can keep winning and you don't feel so bad about because as, as their pick moves further and further Uh, anything before we get out of here.
0: Go Bears and boo all the other teams that have six and seven wins.
1: Yeah, boo, boo NFC because the NFC stinks anyway. It's it's trash. Uh, Bear down, everyone.